You're listening to episode number 41 of the Nurture Me podcast. So I often talk about tuning into your body and how specific foods are making your body feel and bringing that body awareness into your day-to-day life. And that's why I love this conversation with our next guest about our innate body wisdom and how that comes about through dance, through movement, and by being present to your body. So Natalie is a dance expert and life coach specializing in the transformational power of dance and innate body wisdom. She has 15 years of experience teaching different styles of dance, including ballet, commercial, salsa, and samba. She has a master's degree in dance anthropology and combines her knowledge as a professional dancer and teacher with mindfulness and mindset tools she's learned from becoming a certified master life coach. As well as her coaching sessions and programs, she also teaches regular dance classes in Madrid. Natalie has two YouTube channels where she shares her love for dance and living a healthy, fulfilling life with her online communities. Welcome to the podcast, Natalie. You're listening to the Nurture Me podcast, the only podcast that teaches you how to transform your physical and mental well-being so that you can feel your very best. We firmly believe that life is more than another diet. It's time to hear from the experts and support the self-love revolution. Here's your host, educator, nutrition and mindset coach, Jenna Lesnar. Can you tell listeners more about the work that you do? Sure. So I am a dance teacher and a life coach. And dance has been my career up until quite recently. Life coaching is a little more recent for me, but it was such a powerful... The lessons that I learned personally from life coaching were so powerful that I was just like, I have to start integrating this into the dance stuff as well. So that's very exciting for me because I feel like I've got more of a toolkit now to help people with so dance I mean I've done lots of styles that I won't get into like my whole history with dance because it's so long but I've taught different styles I perform different styles and I always really enjoyed that and I've always loved teaching but when I started to get more into kind of body wisdom and going a bit deeper connecting more to nature all of these types of things I started to realize that there's also this other toolkit in life coaching and obviously it's in many more things but I just that's where I found it for me that was somehow a complementary toolkit to the the dance the movement and so that's why I'm so passionate about bringing these two things together the healing and transformational power of movement and the healing and transformational power of mindset I love that I would say I have a similar journey but with nutrition instead of dance (laughs) (laughs) so cool yeah yeah I think when we can combine the different modalities it is that much more powerful for someone who is receiving coaching or whatever it is from yes yeah Yeah, and it's amazing how interlinked all those things are like from the movement to the nutrition for the all of these things and that's why it's like so special as well the life coaching space I feel like unlike the performative dance space that I was in for a little while which felt quite competitive I love that the life coaching space feels very much like there is really a space for everyone and because so many of these things like whether you're kind of 
special magic that you bring is from nutrition or whether it's movement or whether it's yoga or whatever it is there's like there's space for everyone in in the life coaching I mean there's space for everyone in every space but I really feel like it's also a welcoming place so that's been like so beautiful to experience yeah I think it's probably with people that are or have gone through any type of life coaching personally or through professional development we've learned to take our ego out of it right yeah (laughs) exactly recognizing that you know I'm not the coach for everyone and that's okay you know, it's, it's not about me. It's about someone finding, you know, a a coach or therapist, whatever it is that speaks to them and really helps them in the way that they need to be helped in that moment. And it really has nothing to do with me or my ego or my agenda at all. Right. So I think that that's probably why more supportive and even the, the last few podcast episodes that I've done, I've recognized like, Jenna a couple of years ago wouldn't have been able to invite people on my podcast that may have felt in a competing space with me. Right. And, but now I'm like, no, like let's, let's talk about it. These are conversations that I think that are, are needed to have. And, you know, even if someone in my audience wants to reach out to a guest of mine and see coaching from them, then that's great. Then they're finding the help that they need and someone who really speaks to them. Absolutely. I so resonate with that. At the beginning of this year, I set collaboration as one of my words for 2021 for the exact reason you just said, because like that wasn't previous Natalie wasn't so good at that. So yeah, Yeah. I totally, I totally hear you. (laughs) It's so powerful though. Yeah. That's growth, baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So can you tell us more about the, the body's innate wisdom? Yes. Oh, where to start with this? So I think probably like other people who have been drawn to life coaching or things around that, there's been like a very personal healing in some aspect. And I have done that both like emotionally, I'd say, and also physically. So I, without getting deep into the story, but I used to suffer really badly with endometriosis and now I'm on a healing path and that's all been holistic just purely like lifestyle changes that I've made and emotional and physical healing that I've done myself. And that's not the path for everyone, but that's been my path. So, and all of this, both of those, the the emotional and the physical healing really started when I came back into tune with my body. And it's something that I'm very passionate about speaking about in all spaces, but especially the dance space, because I feel like there's a misconception about people who are dancers and perhaps even you know fitness professionals or athletes in general which is that because we we use our bodies that we're connected to our bodies <laughs> but in my personal experience and knowing a lot of other dance and things that is not always the case and actually when you're when you start to be judged for the things that your body's doing rather than being connected to it that can cause a disconnect in fact and that was what I personally experienced and it wasn't like an out-of-body experience or anything like that, but it just that I wasn't fully in tune with the innate body wisdom <laughs> and the messages that my body was trying to constantly send me. And what I always say is that the body whispers and the mind shouts, especially in the way that we've been taught. And so if you're not listening, you, you just won't hear it. And the mind is so busy and it's telling us you need to do this. And there's also that thing and like rest can wait. And then the next day, the same conversation happens again and the rest doesn't arrive. <laughs> and so for me, it was just experiencing firsthand the power of that tuning in. And also this 
new idea of me search instead of research and <laughs> realizing that wow okay maybe not all the answers are already out there and maybe there are new answers for me that I'm going to be able to find through experimentation and actually empowering myself to to do that rather than always outsourcing other people to be an expert on my own body that kind of idea um that's the kind of <laughs> overarching thing but really this all comes down to evolution for me I studied evolution when I did my master's in dance anthropology and it's just I just remind myself all the time that even though we don't have the scientific evidence for quite a lot of things yet, I mean we've got it for some things but in other things we are very new like science is very new in the history of human beings um, but what we already have in some ways is kind of like a manual for how the human being works, which is just to say, these are the conditions in which we evolved. And there is so much wisdom in that. And so if we can come back and connect to that at the same time as connecting with our subjective experience in our bodies, that is a very, very powerful combination. And so, you know, just remembering, well, we didn't used to have... <laughs> extremely stressful jobs where we had to be turned on all the time we didn't used to be isolated in separate houses we used to be supported by community we used to come together and dance around the campfire or, or for ritual purposes whether that was healing whether it was um celebrating two people coming together whether it was called marriage or not at that time <laughs> it probably wasn't or whether it was you know dancing for or through grief and just remembering that part part of our history and honoring that that still lives inside me and I mean I'm sure right now you're probably thinking of nutrition examples as well but you know going back to our evolutionary roots and being like the, these foods were what our body has evolved on eating and then all of a sudden we have all of these weird things that the body doesn't know really what it is or how to deal with it and in some ways it hijacks you know the systems <laughs> and so for me evolution is this just amazing tool that we can use and it doesn't mean I always feel like I need to put this in. It doesn't mean that we revert back to just all of our animal instincts. It's actually working with them and our prefrontal cortex, which was a beautiful gift of evolution that we get to really choose and be the masters of our own destiny while at the same time honoring the wisdom in our body. That's so beautiful. I love <laughs> it. There are so many good things in that. First of all, me search. I've I love that. I'm going to steal it. Okay. Yeah, have it. <laughs> I want everyone to be doing research. <laughs> yeah, that's that's such a powerful term and I think you hit on some some key points that the the body whispers and if we're not connected or listening, then we may miss that, right? So I often tell clients that your body speaks through symptoms. So if you're noticing something, anything, you know, what is the, your body trying to tell you, right? And and spending that time to reflect and and see what the the deeper thing maybe is or issue or whatever it is that you need to consider. And uh, I think the the emotional and the mental and the physical all intertwine, right? We're you know whole beings. We're not separate parts. So absolutely just work on one part and expect that to fix everything. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I could not agree more. And like coming back to the symptom thing, because I think it's so important what you just brought up, this idea that like something has gone wrong with my body or my body has failed me instead of viewing it as actually 
my symptoms are just my body trying to communicate with me. And sometimes it's even your body's way of healing you. And we've kind of lost touch with that. And we think like, oh, you know, I've got a fever. So something's wrong rather than being like, I've got a fever because my body is trying to kill a virus or whatever it is. And obviously there are times when that becomes dangerous and symptoms become dangerous, but usually it's the body's way of helping us to heal or um, yeah, sending us a message. And I think even just that reframe is so much more empowering than the mindset of like, my body keeps failing or this keeps going wrong. But at the same time, I think another really important part of that conversation is that the body is always trying to heal itself, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't do it unless you give it the space to do it. And so I'm always wary as well when I say things like the body knows how to heal itself, that people just be like, right, well, I just won't go to the doctors and just wait. Yeah. But no, you have to create the environment for the body to actually be able to heal itself. And that's going to look different for each person. But I think especially in the culture and society that we live in now, where it is very much focused, productivity focused and very individualistic, that really the remedies for that is rest and community. And obviously there's a lot more things that go into it than that, but I think that's a good place for probably most people to start. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I think it's even that reframe that you talked about instead of judging your body for maybe what it's experiencing and looking at it and, and questioning that and be like, oh, like what, what messages am I, am I missing? And maybe it is that I need to slow down and rest, right? Yes, absolutely. So how does dance help transform us? Oh, this is one of my favorites. <laughs> I mean, this is almost infinite. So I'll just pull out a few that I feel might be most relevant to a broader audience who won't necessarily be dancers or in the dance space, although hopefully people have some kind of movement practice that they enjoy. So first of all, oh, where shall I start? Let me start in the modern and then we'll, we'll work our way back. So <laughs> in, in our modern lives, apart from the things that everyone already knows, which is that, you know, movement is good for our physical health, it's good for our mental health, da, 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 is deeper than that though. So when we dance, we're able to connect to certain parts of ourselves. And for anyone who's listening right now, who might have two different movement practices, you might be able to think right now about how, oh yeah, I, I actually see that when I, for example, go to the gym and do this Zumba class or whatever it is, and when I go out with my friends to a club and I do this type of dan dancing, whatever it is, that actually there's two parts of me that are different parts of me that are able to come out and express themselves. Uh, but that's all still part of the whole. And so I really love the fact that dance gives us a chance to connect with different aspects of ourselves and parts that can really go forgotten in daily life, whether it's like, well, my career doesn't allow me to express that part. Being a mum doesn't allow me to express that part or whatever it is and just as a personal example for me because I teach ballet but I also dance salsa and samba and for me like it could not be two more different Natalie's in some ways you know I do bring my full self to it but the ballet version of me the, the version that I get to express there is very different from the salsa bachata more sensual side and actually that's a side that I feel like was neglected for so long in some ways or it was misconstrued and it became like a sexy thing instead of a central thing or like more about the external than the internal and yeah I could riff on that forever but <laughs> basically just this this access point to a deeper connection with some different sides of ourselves through movement because at the end of the day the only way that we actually engage with life 
life as, as the external life is through movement. And so it's such an integral part. And I feel like dance is very special in the way that it's not only physical sensations of moving the body, but it's also sound. And so linking our movement to the beat of music is a very special thing and music in itself is healing and movement in itself is healing and then all of a sudden you bring those two things together and then the even more powerful third layer to that is that always historically uh, dance has been done actually sorry not always but usually uh, it's been done with other people for example if you ever did have music until you know very recently music was always live <laughs> there was no possible way of having recorded music uh, for most of human history and so you were always sharing in that experience with other people whether it was and even you know there are cultures where there aren't two words for music and dance is just one word because those two things are understood to, to go together and so that is healing on another level the and transformational as well in the fact that when you are <laughs> doing a certain type of movement or sharing in a certain rhythm that other people are also experiencing that same thing as you when you're having a conversation that's not the same thing that happens the words that I'm saying right now might land very differently with you and you might be in a totally different emotional and physical state than I am while we're having a conversation and conversations can also be very healing as well don't get me wrong but there's something very powerful about this thing of dance of in training to a rhythm and quite often it's to a heartbeat or to like the steps that we would walk and everybody doing that at the same time and it's really something that bonds humans together and it was very important part of our evolution because of that because it really reduced conflict within the group it allowed people to come together and to heal together and to feel supported and to feel seen and to feel heard in a way that didn't require language. I feel like my mind just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I never viewed dance in that way or thought of that recorded music is relatively new in our history, right? And that yeah. dance and music are these almost the sense of community that our souls need. Yes. Right. And it's so, and it's so normal because dance is kind of sad, but dance has become a thing for a certain group of people. And it's not for me, dance is a behavior first and then an art form. If mm -hmm. you want it to be, it doesn't start as an art and then trickle down. No, it starts as a human behavior. You watch any kid when you put music on, if they're young enough, just naturally they'll start bobbing, bobbing around to it, to the beat. It's, it's innate in all of us. And so it's one of the things that I wish to rectify from the dance world, which is to come back and be like, this is for everyone, anyone who wants it. And it doesn't have to look any particular way. Yes, if you want to learn a style, wonderful, go for it. But if you're not bothered about like, let me learn ballet technique or let me learn steps for salsa, then you just do whatever you whatever feels good for you you know and hope I'm hoping that and I know that it's already starting to happen that in the future there'll be more communal spaces for just people to come together and dance and right now we still have this if you think about like the really big moments in our lives like a wedding for example this is fresh for me because I'm getting married in two weeks but I've just been doing the playlist and I'm like you know when people celebrate it's natural for your body to like 
process that joy through movement and it's something that again bring it brings people together and there's that certain energy when people are moving moving together to the same music and even this is like a really weird example but <laughs> I'm sure you you do this as well once your once your mind is like primed to pick up on stuff I'm sure you do this with like nutrition stuff so like I see dance stuff or rhythmic entrainment wherever I go so like I'll be at a football match or like watching football on tv and I'm like oh yeah so when their team scores a goal they all start to jump and it's not random they all start to jump up and down at the same time and that's like a huge out-of-body experience while being very embodied which is incredibly uh, powerful and you know I'm sure many of the guys who who are doing that wouldn't like me to call it dance but in a way (laughs) it really is very similar yeah that's a connectedness right that I think that we either don't realize is there or that we need it so much <laughs> yes yeah and there's only very certain places in in our culture now where it's acceptable for it to come out and really it wants to come out a lot more and you just see with kids as soon as they go into school sit down be quiet no no sit down stop fidgeting and so we've learned and again there are it's important to be able to control like I said the prefrontal cortex is very important we need to be able to control the instincts but we need outlets as well especially for you know the healthy ones and the things that really bring us together and they're healing and transformative and I always found it was interesting if you went to like a classical music concert you were very much expected to stay extremely still in your seat and then when it's finished you know just a very polite applause and all I wanted to do was like just <laughs> dance around and of course you start to get used to it in the end you start to get used to and it's in a way it's disconnecting from our bodies because our bodies want to and your brain says nope sit still so again both of those are fine it's just do we have space for them both to exist or is one completely dominating the other Mm, that's a good self-reflection question for (laughs) I have to do this myself too all the time by the way I love that so so many people um myself in the past included view exercise or movement as punishment how can we find joy in movement Yes, this is such a good question. It's, I'll do kind of two parts to it. So the first part, which is going to seem obvious, but sometimes saying the obvious thing does help someone. So look for a movement that you enjoy and allow yourself to say, this is allowed to be part of my, if, if what you're trying to make it fit into is your fitness routine, allow yourself to include other things that don't look like what you think they should be. For example, if gym isn't your thing, And it is for some people and that's great. But if it isn't your thing, you don't have to force yourself into that box. Try, I mean, you know, just the obvious example, like a Zumba class or try, I mean, really anything. And I think some of the fear around that is what I said before about dance seeming like it's only for certain people when it really isn't. Um, More and more, there are more beginners dance classes. So I like to talk about sport in this example because You would never kind of say to someone who said, do you know what? I'm actually going to train to run a marathon. And you would never be like, what? Like, you absolutely cannot do that. You're not a runner. You can't, you know, and we would just be like, that's awesome. Like, you know, (laughs) good luck on your training. (laughs) Very impressive. But for some reason with dance, it's divided. And it's like, there's dancers and non-dancers. No, just like there's not runners and non-runners. Running is as natural as dancing, is as natural as swimming, as you know, all of as natural as walking. And so 
dance, like I said, is hopefully becoming more and more inclusive at the class level if people want to access it there. Like I personally teach adult ballet classes for people who've never danced ballet before and want to join it as adults. Um, and I know there's a lot of that around, especially in, well, I think, yeah, it's, it's growing around the world, which is great. So, but part of it is allowing yourself to be a beginner at something as an adult. And I do understand that that is a scary thing, but it's also an incredibly rewarding thing. And the, you know, when you're first learning something, you, you get that, that curve and it's like, you get that huge growth at the beginning. We don't sometimes let ourselves do that as adults. And that's, that's the fun part. It's just the starting part. It's like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to do this? So I would encourage people to, and if you're listening to this right now and you, I don't know, like maybe you just watch the Olympics and you're inspired by something on there and you're like, I can't do that though. That's not going to be for me, is it? I just encourage you to like, at least do some research and like, see if there's something there in your area because you never know. And also I think the nice thing is that at the beginner level, especially in anything, I always find that there's a, a stronger sense of community because there's less competition at that level. And it doesn't always happen like that. But certainly in my beginner ballet classes, like everyone is just so supportive of each other and they make friends and it's just so beautiful to see. So there could be also other positive things that would come out of that. So that's the first thing. Just choose movement that you enjoy and don't underestimate the power of even just like going for a walk. And I know these things sound so basic, but honestly, <laughs> like these things are basic because they work. And even if that's like you're in to developing like a larger movement practice, it's like, do you know what? Every single morning I'm going to go for a 20 minute walk. And that's the thing that starts to get your body reminded of its innate wisdom and its innate love of movement then it will lead you on to something else. And, you know, you might be thinking like, this is way too basic with me. And you're like, I've already mastered Taekwondo or whatever. And it's like, okay, you're up for a new challenge or you want to like take your Taekwondo to more people or, you know, there's just, it's, it's expansive. So that's the first part. The second part, the punishment part. I, I in a way, not, not that I went through this because of the, I didn't like punish myself through it. But like I said, I disconnected from my body and I started to use my body as a tool and I used to manipulate it into positions. And that was when I started to lose my love for dance. And it was a thing that I always had loved. And it was a thing that I knew that I wanted to include in my life. And I wanted my career to be related to that in some way. And I thought I was doing myself a favor by being really hard on myself, by pushing myself, by dancing through injuries, by not taking a class off when I was on my period and I really knew that I needed to rest or whatever it was. And that was actually the thing that started to get me close to stop dancing. So it had literally the opposite effect of what I wanted, which is like, I'm going to force myself to become a better dancer through not listening to my body or by punishing my body in some way. And I didn't think of it in those ways at the time, but looking back, hmm, it was a little bit like that. Um, and so it's difficult because it's counterintuitive in some ways. And we, we really think like, let me <laughs> and we're taught in these ways in some ways in school you know you do something naughty and like you get a punishment instead of someone asking you you did something naughty are you okay is something going on like do you want to <laughs> talk about it share it can we help you and so we take that with us into our adult lives and you know especially especially just how focused we are on like what the body looks like instead of what the body can do for us and the fact that every single day minute second your body is just doing its best to keep you healthy and alive and at the same time we're like 
you know, we want it to be like this or like that other thing instead of coming from gratitude and appreciation and joy. And I genuinely believe now, and I still like, this is a journey for me too, that that is where you get better results. But it's so hard to make the jump from believing that actually punishment isn't the only way to get results if that's the way that you've always learned. And so I've kind of strayed into like life coaching territory here, but you know, it's that thing as well that it's, again, it's not just about the movement and the physicality, but how do you think about the movement that you do as well? How do you frame it? And do you see it as um, only a means to an end where the result is this type of body rather than enjoying the process of whatever movement you've chosen, which is always going to lead to results anyway, because you're more likely to stick with it if you're enjoying it um, and you get to enjoy the process as well. I think that that's such a key part is just choosing movement that you enjoy. And so often we just forget to do that. I know I've done it, right? Yeah. It's so simple. And I think we underestimate the value in a good walk. <laughs> Even if yes. it's 20 minutes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because we have these like big grand ideas of like who we are as people and like, maybe you've got this incredible career when you're incredibly successful and you're like, well, a 20 minute walk, that doesn't seem to fit with like the grandiosity of my life or whatever. And yeah. it's like, well, if I'm going to do a walk, then I better do a hike. And then I better plan that for like a full half of my Sunday or whatever it is, instead of just being like, do you know what, 20 minutes, it's not perfect, but it's enough. Yeah. And so, yeah, just giving ourselves permission to do sometimes what is enough and not having to make everything such a, yeah, such a big deal, I guess. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I often go for walks in between clients and oh, I, I love that. All of my inspiration walks. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the ideas come and clarity comes, right? And it's not sitting at my desk staring at my computer. It's out when I'm moving, right? And and connecting with nature as opposed to, you know, forcing myself to sit in my office and think of what I want to do next, right? And as a nutrition coach, I can't necessarily prescribe quote unquote you know exercises for people but often I'm just like go for a walk like if you if your goal is to lose weight then you just need to move your body intentionally in something that you enjoy and if that's not going to the gym then don't go to the gym (laughs) if you like going for a walk then even go for 20 minutes it doesn't need to be a two-hour event right? There, there's yeah. in those small pieces too. And it, as long as you're enjoying it, it changes the intention that you have and the relationship that you have with your body too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How does mindfulness play into finding freedom through movement? In some ways, it's related a little bit to what we just talked about, but it's really the awareness of how present you are while you're moving And for some people, it's very interesting because I think sometimes we think that the internal processes or the thoughts that come are from what we're doing rather than that it can actually start here. So I'll give an example because that didn't make much sense because I do ballet. Okay, so I teach ballet and I dance ballet and I used to train in ballet. And for me, ballet was one of the things that took me out of my body because I was over analytical. It's very precise it's very difficult, it's very tiring, etc. And so for me, ballet, especially at the beginning, not anymore, because I've, you know, done a lot of work on this, but it was something that 
like in a way disconnected me from my body and like I said go into the manipulation etc and then I know other people where ballet is literally like a kind of meditative state for them they love the repetitive nature of it they love the fact that you know it's this beautiful music and you're always moving in harmony with it etc and so what I've realized more and more as I get older is that the same thing that looks the same on the outside might be having a completely different experience internally for each person. Um, and part of that comes to, to the mindfulness, right? So how present are you being with the experience of the movement versus judging the movement while you're doing it? Uh, that's the main one for me is the judgment for other people it might be other things you might be judging like more what the body looks like rather than what the body is moving like so that's also just a kind of self-awareness journey of where is my head going in these moments when I'm moving is it going to the pleasure of the experience is it going to some kind of judgment about me sometimes is it even going to judgments about the other people and for anyone who's you know trained in dance or has like done dance classes in a dance studio you've got to be very aware of your reflection in the mirror that is such an unnatural thing to stare at yourself in the mirror for so long and you end up having more of a relationship with your reflection than your actual body when you're dancing and so that's just another thing to bring my you know awareness too and then if we take this a little bit broader and we talk about movement a bit more in general um you can do mindfulness practices that just involve movement at home if you want to <laughs> something that I did for myself as I was healing from a lot of this I don't do it anymore but I would definitely be welcome to doing it again because it was a powerful practice was every morning I would just choose a song and I would just let myself move to it without judgment and for me and it will depend who you are some people I have some friends who like literally they can get into it straight away they're like moving around they're just loving it they close their eyes they're feeling it but for me because I've been like so judgmental and I'm a recovering perfectionist it was so uncomfortable at the beginning to do that and to and to force myself to not worry about what it looked like and to not know what I was going to do next <laughs> and but it was also very healing as I made it into a practice rather than like I'm just going to try this and if I don't like it, I'm not going to do it again because I knew that I wasn't going to like it at the beginning. So I was like, let me sit in the discomfort of being so physically present in my body and knowing that it probably doesn't look good on the outside. And then just being like, and I'm going to repeat it tomorrow. Just one song. Again, not a big thing. Right. I wasn't going to like rock up. at. A, I mean, I could have if I was brave enough. <laughs> I could have rocked up at one of those like you know, contact improv classes with other people and they were da, 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 and I was just like, that's not going to be my first step. My first step is going to be <laughs> just me in my bedroom without looking in the mirror, putting on a song that I like and allowing myself to move to it with no judgment and not the typical moves that I would do to like impress in a club or something. Cause like I have that vocabulary stuff and I was like, that's not coming out. What I'm going to do right now is just to like connect and let whatever feels like it needs to come out to come out. Um, so that was very powerful and very healing but I just you know I want to say along this journey sometimes these things don't feel good at the beginning and it's just allowing that to be part of the journey instead of being like well if this doesn't feel good then obviously it's not for me kind of thing and one other thing that I just want to say about this is that if you are aware of where you hold tension so a practice that I really love is a body scan so I do this most days 
in some moment or other. So I'll just go through the parts of my body and just check, okay, is my forehead crunched up or is it relaxed and my shoulders up? Like I, I know now where my tension points are, that usually my traps and also my abdomen. And like I said at the beginning, like I suffered from endometriosis. I don't think these things are coincidence. Like I hold so much tension like in my pelvis area. And for different people, it'll be different things. For some people, it'll be their back. For other people, it might be their thighs, whatever it is for you but bringing awareness to that thing and then choosing movements specifically that that frees those areas so like for me doing hip circles and things it's the opposite to ballet where you have to hold your hips very very still and maybe for other people it might be like head circles or arching the back or whatever it is and just having the awareness of what things or what movements might be most healing for you based on where you carry tension Mm, innate body wisdom (laughs) (laughs) there's so much in there (laughs) yeah I love that I think something that you said is the getting comfortable being uncomfortable and you know that's okay to be uncomfortable with the movement at first but keep trying it and bring that intention and being present in the moment, which I think is key, right? So often we can yes. get in our heads and not actually be in that moment of whatever we're doing. And then judging the movement. I've done that a lot, right? I, I'm yeah. a runner and I, I injured ankle probably about four years ago now. And it's taken me a while to get back to running and, you know, letting go of that judgment of being like, oh, well, this pace is not where I mm-hmm. used to right? And just allowing myself to enjoy running again, and not judging, you know, where my body is at it at this time, right? Because that's not the intention or what's needed. Yes, absolutely. Because the expectations in the end, like that's taking us out of the present, because that's somehow related to the past or the future of like where we were and where we're supposed to be. (laughs) So yeah, absolutely. It's all about presence, as you said. What advice do you have for someone who wants to feel more connected to their body through dance? Probably just like to summarize some of the things that we've, we've talked about, which would be, you know, choose a movement that you enjoy. If you're someone who works on your own, like if you're a freelancer or if, you know, lots of us are working anyway on our own just because of having to work from home, I really encourage people to look for some kind of movement that is communal. So even if you're a runner, like running group or something, and it doesn't have to be all the time, but just every now and again, moving with other people, like we said, is like very powerful. Body scans, so useful. And like I said, the practice, if you want to, the practice of dancing just by yourself and giving yourself that space, because I think it sounds really weird and, you know, some people are into it. But if, if this is one of the things that you're like, that sounds really weird. Why would I just like dance around by myself, like to a full song? Not everything in our life has to have a purpose or be productive. And we're, we're even having this conversation, kind of framing it in like a healing way, in a way like a transformation way like connecting the body kind of way but even if there's no goal sometimes you're allowed to just do something because it's fun and I'm saying this to myself because it's medicine for me but there might be someone else out there who needs to hear that and dance can be 
so many things. It can be healing. It can be transformative. It can create bonds. It can do all of these things, but it can also just be fun for no other reason. And that's okay too. And so just giving ourselves permission sometimes to, to just do that and create that space. And, you know, that might not be dance specifically. It might be yoga. It might be, I don't know, it might be playing with your <laughs> dog in the park. It might be, it might, might look like anything that you're like, this is not very productive, but that's involving the body in some way. And like we, uh, just to go back to walking, as you, you were talking about earlier and running, one of the things that's so powerful about that and the scientific research is finally kind of coming out about these types of movements that aren't sport, because there's obviously been a lot of research into sport science for obvious reasons, but dance has been like very much left behind and things like walking that are taken for granted. But forward movement in space is not just good for the body in terms of like you're moving it, et cetera, as we've said, but it also gives us hope and dance gives us hope. And it's because we're literally taking steps forward in our life. And so like you said before, Jenna, about sitting there and hoping that the thought process is going to get you the clarity or the inspiration, actually the moving forward in space, like I know it sounds metaphorical, but it's literal as well. And so that's a really, really powerful thing. And the same, you could say the same with dance in some ways, even though you might not be necessarily moving that way, but you're moving around the space, you're moving energy uh, through you and moving yourself through the space. So these things are more powerful than we, than we know, maybe intuitively at this point as adults, because we've been told many of the stories, but I'm excited because there's going to be a lot more research coming out about this very soon. <laughs> I love that. So go have some fun and dance. Yes. (laughs) I think that as adults, we need that permission to allow ourselves to just have fun because we, we assume that we need to be productive all of the time, but we don't have to, we can play and have fun and just enjoy something for the sake of enjoying it. Absolutely. Um, And I don't know about for other people, but that exact mindset for me has allowed me to actually have more clarity on what are the important things and where I want to be productive instead of feeling the need to constantly be productive and just like making myself busy with stuff that actually wasn't that important Um, but when we create that space for ourselves right and we allow joy and we allow fun uh, somehow it's clarifying for what are really you know the, the important things start to grow out of that and it becomes yeah easier to manage your energy and really channel it into the things that you, you know, find really, really important. Totally. Yeah. And putting that energy towards those things. Right. I, I think that we glorify the busy. So I'm trying to reframe when people ask me, how's business? How are things? And I, I don't want to say busy anymore. (laughs) because Same. (laughs) I think that it is, I don't know, this message of that it needs to be constantly busy, right? Where I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's okay if it just is what it is. And I can take more rest and do other things that that light me up as opposed to constantly trying to be busy and maybe not as productive. Absolutely. Yeah. So where can listeners find more Natalie? So I am on Instagram's the easiest place. And I like it because uh, I'm on YouTube as well, but it doesn't feel as personal. I like connecting with people. So Instagram's the best place. It's natalieor.co. That's my, I'm split in two <laughs> into the life coaching version and the dance version. That's the life, that's where you'll find the life coaching stuff. And then Natalie Danza, which is with a Z, dance in Spanish, so I live in Madrid, is all the ballet stuff if anyone's into 
that. So yeah, that's my favorite place because then I get to connect with people and we can chat in DMs and stuff. But I'm also on YouTube or find me under the same names on there. <laughs> Perfect. I will put some links in the show notes for people to find you. Do you offer online dance classes or anything like that? Do you know what? I was doing it all out through lockdown and I just made the decision a month ago to stop online classes and focus my energy in the studio because I was just craving so much like I was saying before like that energy exchange being together so I'm not doing online classes right now I'm probably likely to bring some kind of class back and if I do it won't be ballet it will be something like my Latin goddess class which is a little bit of a mixture of different things and it's kind of talking incorporating what we talked about today of like embodiment in dance in that class so potentially that class is coming back next year but all my life coaching stuff is is online so that's available (laughs) to anyone wherever they are in the world Uh, but if you're ever in Madrid and you want to come to a class I'm here (laughs) perfect I may take up on that in the future (laughs) well wonderful it's been such a pleasure to chat with you and and get to know you and learn more about embodiment through dance Uh, such a beautiful message and I hope it really resonates with people Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you're feeling empowered with this information to nurture your own body, mind, and spirit. Did you love the episode as much as I did? And if you did, be sure to share this with me by leaving a review or taking a screenshot of the episode, sharing it on Instagram with your biggest insights, and be sure to take me. If you aren't already following me on social media, come join me on Instagram at Simply Nurtured for daily inspiration or check out my website, simplynurtured.ca. And I really want to make sure that you know that you're supported on your journey. If you have not already joined my incredible free library of resources that include recipes, meal plans, mindset workbooks, webinars, challenges, a Facebook group, community, and free trainings, head over to simplynurture.ca and select free library in the menu to get on this exclusive free content. And be sure to share that link with your friends and enjoy. We'll see you in the next episode.